spooky people welcome back to unknown compelling force episode five, five. that over there <laughs> is uh emily law and that over there is marissa baldwin it's me we're here <laughs> and we got um two cats in here today yeah i they literally don't <laughs> care about this room unless we're in here i think they're scared to go up here because it's like the third floor attic kind of space like mm-hmm. i'd be scared to go up here alone well, Molly has gone into the actual attic and crawled through into our neighbor's side of the house before, so something's telling me she's not scared of the attic. <laughs> That's very true. But yeah, I hope everyone is staying warm and safe during this fucking crazy, what is this, winter weather vortex or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. Rip everyone in Texas, uh, bundle up, check on your grandma. <laughs> It's big talk coming from us in Rochester where that's just like a normal Tuesday and yeah. we're used to stuff like that. So seeing that kind of thing happen somewhere where they're so wildly unprepared, I'm like, yo, that sucks. Yeah, that does. Because we know how it feels. Sucks. When Hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey and we were out of power for 10 fucking days and it was like below freezing every day, mm-hmm. that sucked. Right. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Or, like, when we get, like, a crazy, like, heat wave in the summertime. I have a friend who lives in San Antonio, and when we get a crazy heat wave, and I'm like, guys, it's, like, fucking 98 degrees out here, I'm sweating, and she'll send me a Snapchat, and it's, like, 110. Oh, God. And she's like, don't even talk to me, bro. (laughs) I would simply pass away. Oh, how the turntables. (laughs) Truly. And then we're like, help, it's 91 degrees. (laughs) I'm like, we're literally from upstate New York. Where we get eight feet of snow in an overnight sometimes, so, uh, yeah. We know how much it fucking sucks, dude. Mm, yep. We are sorry for everyone dealing with that. Yeah. Any whore. I mean, what are we talking about? But I think today we have some interesting stuff to talk about. My my topic comes from my home, home state, and your topic comes from where? West Virginia! <laughs> Mountain Mama! Take me home. Okay, sorry guys. So I think we have some good good stuff coming for you today. I'm excited. We're finally getting into my particularly exciting realm of cryptids and spooky monster lore kind of shit. Um, Emily's story I actually don't know that much about, so I'm excited to hear about it. It's all over the place, my story, so... Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> my story is a pretty isolated incident, but... You know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> Well, I don't know why I'm giving it a prequel as if we're not going to talk about it right now. All right, let's get the fuck into it. All right, Em, are you ready? I am so ready. I would love, love to tell you about the Flatwoods Monster. I'm so excited. I know nothing about this thing. I thought I knew about it, um, but there was way more to it than I thought. Um, so most of my information came from, honestly, Wikipedia, um, There's not a ton of information about the Flatwoods Monster online because it was just that one incident and all of the articles I looked at seemed to pretty much just be regurgitating whatever was on Wikipedia. So I went to Wikipedia to get like the bare bones of what it was and then watched this documentary called The Flatwoods Monster Legacy of Fear by a group called Small Town Monsters and was produced by this guy Seth Breedlove. His last name was Breedlove. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I genuinely wonder if that's really his last name. If it is, that's awesome. If not, good choice, bro. Um, so I got a lot of information from that. Watching. I highly recommend watching that documentary if you want to get more information. Uh, there was a lot of 
really interesting stuff in there that I didn't know about because like I said I thought I knew a lot about Mm -hmm. this topic but then watching that I realized there was a lot more to it and he actually was able to interview like the only two surviving people who were at this Flatwoods Monster incident Mm -hmm. and he like interviewed people around town and like he got a really good in-depth storyline of Mm -hmm. what happened so that being said cracks knuckles let's get into it (laughs) click seatbelt (laughs) Buckle up, motherfucker. Here we go. All right, so the Flatwoods Monster, also known as the Braxton County Monster, the Phantom of Flatwoods, or just the Green Monster. Everyone in Flatwoods just calls it the Green Monster, Um, but anywhere, I guess, outside of that town, it's called Flatwoods Monster. Mm -hmm. All right, so I just kind of want to set the stage for what was going on in America at this time, just to kind of give some context. So it's 1952 in America. We've just seen the end of World War II. We're in the midst of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of that fear of communists mm-hmm. and foreign anything going around. And it's that, like, all-American, like, greatest generation, we love America, fuck everybody else oh, yeah. kind of ideology. Yeah. Where they're just, like, genuinely afraid of anything from the outside. Uh, so this is also when we see TVs become more popular in people's homes. And there are, like, TV shows like I Love Lucy and The Twilight Zone, Ooh, specifically. Yeah. Yes. I grew up watching a lot of The Twilight Zone. Me too. (laughs) Uh, So things can be televised to everyone everywhere, and it was kind of like a new type of pop culture boom where pop culture can get to people so much faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like traveling and spreading like it had not before, which I kind of drew this connection myself just saying that is why this monster became so popular. Uh, It's also right after the Roswell crash and in the height of like the first UFO and monster craze, like Project Blue Book. So this is literally during Project Blue Book when the general public is becoming interested in the UFO weird monster thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the midst, I like that word today, (laughs) of all this tension and excitement, the Flatwoods monster is born. Interesting. So it is September 12th in Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. (laughs) Mountain mama. Okay. The Flatwoods monster himself is a very close neighbor of our man's Mothy. Interesting. So it's literally, like, less than 50 miles away from the Mothman sighting. Okay. And, I mean, the Mothman sighting didn't happen until quite a few years later. Okay. But this is all kind of in the same area. So this town, Flatwoods, is, like, that real small backwoods type of town, like, small town, country town TM, mm-hmm. much like where I grew up. <laughs> so... This story has a lot of versions out there with varying degrees of detail, so I combined a few of the different versions to get, like, the most baseline story and just used the details that I saw presented most often across the sources I looked at, and I just kind of left out the ones that seemed, like, really extreme or that were only mentioned by one or two sources, um, because those just seemed the least likely to be true. Um, so, like I said, most of the baseline events are from Wikipedia, which is pretty reliable for things like this. Don't cite Wikipedia for your research papers, guys. But Wikipedia is so helpful. It really is. (laughs) Like, it's just free. And it has everything you need. And it sources everything. Yeah. So, I just kind of want to get right into the story. So, it's around 7.15pm, September 12th, in Flatwoods, West Virginia. Five or six boys are playing football at somebody's house in Flatwoods. They're all between the ages of 10 and 17. There's Eddie and Fred May, Tom 
Hire or Hayer, Neil Nunley, Ronnie Shaver, and a few others. But those are like the four boys whose names are specifically mentioned. Mm-hmm. Eddie and Fred May are the only two who are still alive. And they're the ones who were interviewed for the documentary that I watched. They're in like their 70s or 80s at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And even now, they swear on their life that all of this is true. All of this happened. Everyone who was involved on their deathbed were still swearing that all of this happened. And Eddie and Fred May are kind of the main characters, I would say. So as they're playing football, they saw a bright light cross the sky. And they said it looked like a ball of fire that was about the size of a house and that it landed on the ridge near the farm of G. Bailey Fisher. Um, Some of them said that it may have hovered and lowered down in the way of a landing, not a crash. So Mm -hmm. originally it was reported that it like streaked across the sky and crashed, but then later they in more detail explained and said that it was moving really fast and that it kind of slowed down and just lowered itself down. So that is very interesting. Some of them said that the light may have been pulsing slightly. So obviously they saw that. They ditched their game of football and went running to check out what it was. And as they were running towards it, they had to run down Depot Street, which is where Freddie and Ed May's house was. So they stopped at their house to run in and tell their mom what they saw. So their mom was Kathleen, a.k.a. Kathy May, who was described as being a really fun and feisty woman and that she was, like, beloved by everyone in town. And also at their house was their cousin who had been visiting, who was a National Guardsman named Jean Lemon, who was 17. So all the kids ran into the house, started yelling about what they saw, and they got Kathy, Jean, a dog, and a flashlight to go check out where this thing landed. It did not say it was their dog. It just said there was a dog lying around, so it went with them. (laughs) I will put a little trigger warning here. Bad things happen to the dog. Oh, no. Okay, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. It was tragic to read that, but I'm sorry I'm putting a trigger warning now. I'm already sad. Yeah. So they followed the trail through the woods in the direction where they had seen it land, and they kind of followed this trail through the woods up to the Bailey Fisher farm, and they could see an orange glowing light, again the size of a house, on top of a hill. So they got closer and closer and were seeing it through the trees until they heard a hissing noise and saw a fiery object that was egg or pear-shaped. Uh, They saw a patch of smelly brown mist, and the dog started barking like crazy, went running into it, and then ran out howling and took off. And it was said that later the dog died. And that made everybody's hair, like, stand on end, and they really freaked out. They got really still, trying to see what was going on through the trees, and then they heard a very sudden noise behind them. And Gene Lemon was the one who had the flashlight, and he turned with the flashlight to see a monster. So it looked... This monster looked to be about 12-ish feet tall, the size of a, quote, heavy-set man, and it looked to be hovering above the ground right in front of a pine tree that was, like, standing off by itself, kind of a lone tree. This monster was hovering in front of it, and it looked to be swaying side to side as if it were, like, surveying the horizon. Like, it was kind of looking around. Uh, They said it was dark green or black with a round red face surrounded by this pointed hood-like shape that they said resembled, like, the ace of spades. So it came to, like, Mm -hmm. a point. Mm -hmm. And it also had pleated cloth-like folds as if it were wearing clothing. Like, maybe, like, a skirt. Like, a lot of the pictures of this monster, it kind of looks like it's wearing a dress, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, a little silly. But I was not expecting this. I thought maybe he would just 
be like a fucking SWAT monster from like Scooby Doo, you right. know, with like seaweed on him. Yeah, or one of the one of the May brothers in the documentary described it as being mechanical like, so it almost looked kind of robotic. Hmm. Um, but then it was wearing kind of like a dress or a skirt, hmm. uh, which is interesting. Like the whole description of this monster seems interesting to me because they don't seem to go out of their way to make it sound really scary. Yeah. Like, or, like, like, too far-fetched. Like, this sounds really far-fetched, but they, it's not like they tried to make it sound like it wasn't. Right. And it's not like something was, like, crawling towards them yeah. and it was oozing and yeah. terror. It was just uh, human-like in shape, but huge and floating and had a weird hood <laughs> and a dress. <laughs> so, and they also, some of them said that it had claw-like hands, but other witnesses said that they didn't see that. So that was something that was not officially decided on, whether it had these claw-like hands or not. Um, They said that the eyes glowed red, like a fire or a light. And later when they reported it to the police, they all drew very similar pictures. So that's interesting that they were Mm. all able to draw the same picture. And that the first drawing of the monster by a local artist is still one of the most popular images of it. So, like, when you Google the Flatwoods monster, there's kind of a pencil drawing that comes up mm-hmm. that was the original, like, artist's rendering of this creature. And hmm. it's still, there's, like, a Flatwoods monster museum <laughs> in town, and that picture is there. What do they put in that museum? A lot of pictures and, like, little mini figs, figures, little figures of the monster. And, and like, the history and the story. There's a piece of, um, so the tree that it was hovering in front of has, like, rotted away and is mm-hmm. gone, but they have a big chunk of it, like, in this museum. So you can go see the tree that it stood near. <laughs> that it stood near? Yeah. For, like, a couple of seconds. For 35 <laughs> seconds, yeah. So, back to the story. Okay. So they saw this giant monster floating in front of a tree, and they said that it glided toward them and made a hissing sound, so they dropped the fucking flashlight and ran, obviously. Uh, they ran all the way home, and... They even said that Kathy May, the mom who was with them, literally leapt over a fence to get home. And then they went to the police and reported everything, and it blew up. Like, it was immediately, like, a sensation. Hmm. Uh, Most members of the group reported feeling nauseous and paranoid for a few days following the event, but that's pretty much par for the course. I literally can't get over her just leaping over a fence. Like, can you imagine... Maybe she was a track star. (laughs) We, people who work with children, can you imagine you're in the woods with a group of children and see a monster, and you're trying to, like, herd them away? And and she just books it. She's like, I'm jumping over fences. I would I'm getting home. Y'all are fine. (laughs) See you later. Survival of the fittest, my guy. (laughs) Honestly, Mama Kathy can't beat her. She's great. So that is the whole story of, like, the night that it happened. But there's a lot of interesting things that follow it. So, a local sheriff and deputy had been out investigating reports of a crashed aircraft that someone else had reported. So, these boys were not the only mm-hmm. ones who saw it. Okay. Um, and that's a really important thing to note, that the what they saw crossing the sky was reported by dozens of yeah. people across three different states. Okay. So, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, people from all three of those wow. states saw the light in the sky. So, that's like 100% verified that it happened. So the sheriff and the deputy went to the Bailey Fisher farm to check out what it was, and they said that they saw, heard, and smelled nothing. So then immediately the story was sensationalized, as much as it can be on the 50s, and it was put in newspapers, radio broadcasts, and on TV, and it was actually the 11th most reported on story that year. Wow. Which is interesting. 
uh, considering there was so much going on in America at the time and out like with our foreign affairs and whatnot, the eleventh most broadcasted thing was this fucking flatless Fuck monster. The Russians, check out this thing. Yeah, <laughs> don't look over behind the scary red curtain. Look at this green monster. Isn't that crazy, guys. Um. So after it was like broadcasted on TV and all this stuff, a minister from Brooklyn came all the way to West Virginia to talk to the May family. Um, a special reporter from Pittsburgh visited them to do a story, and Kathy May and Jean Lemon even traveled to New York City to do a TV program called We the People, where they kind of recounted their story on mm-hmm. TV. Uh, UFOologists like Gray Barker and Ivan T. Anderson investigated the events and the surrounding area um, and put it on. They had, like, radio shows about this kind of thing, and they reported it there. A reporter from a local paper... The Braxton Democrat, who was named A. Lee Lee Stewart Jr., claimed that there were skid marks and a, quote, odd gummy deposit in the field where it happened, which UFO simps obviously loved and said that's clearly evidence of a UFO landing. I don't know what a gummy deposit is. Didn't the cops say there wasn't anything there? Yeah, the, the cops who went there originally that night said that they didn't see or smell anything, but then... I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're getting I'm there. jumping ahead. So, yeah, UFO simps were claiming that that was evidence of a landing, and that kind of blew up in all of those radio broadcasts and stuff like that where they discussed such things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, little Project Blue Book reference here, a group of special forces was sent by the Air Force to investigate the incident. Like, oh. from Project Blue Book. Or at this time, it might have been Project Grudge. My timeline isn't perfect. I'm sorry. I'm not a perfect person. (laughs) Um, So the first group was led by Dave Levitt Jr., who took 60 men to the Fisher Farm to investigate where it actually happened. And they said that they found an impression in the grass as if something had landed or been sitting there. And they found a strange oily residue that which was collected and taken away for testing. And one of the May brothers said that they never heard anything back about what that oily residue was Mm. or like they have no idea. So that was, I'm assuming, the gummy deposit that the reporter was talking about. So it was collected by the Air Force, taken away for testing, never heard about again. So, who knows. And the Air Force just generally kind of said, no, we didn't find anything, move on, nothing crazy. Typical. (laughs) Typical. So, but later it was revealed that the men who were there sniffed the ground and said that there was a a sulfur-type smell to the grass. Demons. Honestly, just demons. Um, but the, that smelly brown mist that the group of boys and the mom smelled that one night, they said it smelled like sulfur. Mm-hmm. And it was like this, quote, pungent mist that smelled fucking gross and made them sick. Mm-hmm. And then when the Air Force got there and this special team was, like, investigating the area, they smelled the grass and smelled sulfur. So that is interesting. And that wasn't something that was originally mentioned. It, like, came out later after, like, a bunch of the special forces guys, like, retired or we're no longer working for that sector of the Air Force. <laughs> I don't know if sector is the right word, but anyway. Um, when they were no longer working for that, they were like, yeah, so there was actually more evidence than was mentioned. So we did smell stuff, but we weren't allowed to say that, which is interesting. Uh, so some people think that that oil and, like, the skid marks or impressions on the ground were just from the farmer because it was on a farm. But uh, the May brothers who were interviewed and most of the people around town think that that's too coincidental. And then it's just people looking for an explanation. And then that wasn't a field that was actually used by the farmer. It was just Mm -hmm. kind of on his property. Yeah, just extra land. Yeah. 
Uh, so the other team, there were two teams that were sent. The one went to the Bailey Fisher farm. The other went to check out the nearby Elk River, but they didn't find anything noteworthy there. Just as a side note. Uh, so from there, it kept growing into the urban legend that it is today. So news reports kept broadcasting it around the country, and it was, like I said, the 11th most reported story that year. And with all urban legends, every time it changed hands, it was different. Yeah. So in some stories, the monster was 7 feet tall, and in other stories, it was 17 feet tall. Some said that it breathed fire at the kids. <laughs> like, there were some things that were just so bonkers that, like, it breathed fire that it shot up into the sky and flew away. Like, all, like all of these weird things. One of the brothers who was interviewed for the documentary admitted that a lot of the story was embellished by the other boys. Because obviously if you're 12 and something crazy like that happens to you and it's all over the media, everybody in school is going to be asking you about it and you're always going to make it way more oh, yeah. interesting than it is. Oh yeah. So he admitted that a lot of it was embellished, like the dog dying. He said that that wasn't true. He said it didn't breathe fire. He said that he didn't see any glowing red light, but that he was scared, so he was only looking at the ground. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is adorable. <laughs> that he wouldn't look up because he was scared. And also an interesting note is that their mom, Kathleen May, said that she got a letter in the mail a few days after it happened claiming that what she saw in the sky was just military rockets being tested and that she should just forget what she saw and stop telling people or else. Damn. Which is always fun. Government threats. Honestly. Um, so everyone around the small town when this happened either rolled their eyes and made fun of the boys, like uh, the May brothers were saying that they got teased at school about it kind of a lot. So they were either rolling their eyes, or suddenly they were making up a story of, oh yeah, the yeah. same thing happened to me, because they wanted to be included mm -hmm. in this crazy cool thing that was going on mm -hmm. in their probably otherwise pretty boring small town. Trust me, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> so there were some other people who had stories of similar encounters, which I will get into now. There was, in this documentary, one woman who was interviewed, and she just kind of jumped around talking about various weird similar things that happened in that town none of them were specifically the flatwoods monster or this scream monster that everyone else was seeing but just kind of a quilt of different little creepy things that happened and i'm just gonna read the quote that she okay. said so she said my grandfather was on his way back from ohio one night since he worked there at the time he saw a teardrop fall from the sky that was huge and looked like jelly or jello and then he saw a cigar shaped ufo which my grandmother said rose over the house and took off over the ridge. They saw a giant red bouncing ball that looked like it would bounce across the sky. They'd see lights coming out of the cemetery. One night, my uncle Audie was staying with her and they heard a noise over the hilltop. They thought it was just someone messing with something like farm equipment. So he went out and fired a shotgun off up into the sky and a saucer rose and took off. Now that really scared the bejesus out of him. So that's just kind of like a clump of weird yeah. things that were happening around that time just to like i don't know give some context to the weird shit that was going on at the time september 13th and 14th the two days right after the event two pilots both recounted seeing a large unknown craft speed past their airplanes so that was like literally the day right after that it happened mm -hmm. okay um a bomber crew also reported seeing a fleet of brightly colored metal objects fly along their craft for up to 15 minutes and that was the whole crew gave the same story. And th those were military personnel. So in this area, so many UFOs had been reported over the recent years surrounding this event, both by regular people and by military personnel. So, you know, P 
people who wouldn't just make stuff up for fun. Yeah. And then there was one other sighting that I thought was really interesting because it was another relatively in-depth story, and it happened literally the day after the original sighting. There was a couple named George and Edith Sikowski, I believe, were traveling home to New York, represent, (laughs) with their kid, and they drove through West Virginia. So as they were driving kind of on the back roads through the woods, their car started stalling for apparently no reason. So George jumped out and went to check under the hood because he started smelling a burning sulfur scent and thought that the engine was, like, overheating or on Mm -hmm. fire. And while he was out there, he saw a bright flash of light in the woods off the side of the road, and he started walking towards it. So he said as he got closer, he started feeling sick and began to stumble, and he said he just felt really weird and couldn't walk right. And then his wife started screaming from inside the car. Mm -hmm. So he turned around and saw the monster. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So he said it didn't have legs that he could see, but that the lower half was solid, like that clothing type thing, like the skirt Mm -hmm. Um, and that it was hovering at him, so he took off back to the car, they locked themselves in, and they just hid in the back seat until they looked up and it was gone. (laughs) Like, they just hid in the back seat, like, cowering, and then when they looked out the window a few minutes later, I guess it was gone, and they carried on their way. They fooled him. Yeah, got him. (laughs) Um, that's it. That's That's not what I expected at all. No? No. I don't know why. I don't know when I think of like oh flatwoods monster i'm thinking like swampy looking monster like nothing to do with aliens right i'm thinking about like the woods and the swamps Mm -hmm. i don't know why yeah it's i expected there to be more stories i thought it was going to be more than just a one-time incident i don't know it i think it's interesting that they thought it was an alien because i've never I've never looked that far into this story. It was just, like, something I vaguely knew about. Mm -hmm. And I just figured it was kind of like the Mothman, where it was just, like, this creature in the woods scared people. But I didn't know about all the UFO sightings that there had been and the streaking across the sky that, you know, a fuck ton of people saw and that they think that this was, like, basically an alien. That's so weird. You know? Like, they talk about it being the monster, but no one ever uses the word alien, but you can tell that that's what they're getting at. Because they saw this craft land, and then this thing was there. So, like, they're obviously thinking this is something from another planet. Yeah. That's just weird, I feel like, especially for that time period, to claim that something like that is an alien. Like, right. I don't know. Also, it just... I feel like back in the 50s, like, the 40s through the 70s, I feel like you could make up anything... And people would believe you. Oh, yeah. Like, at this point, I feel like everything's been done. You could be like, I saw this crazy thing, and people would be like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but back then, it's like one instance like this, where a bunch of kids and a mom and a dog went out into the woods and saw something, and now, 70 years later, people are still talking about it. 70 fucking years ago. Yeah, you would think that even, like, people making shit up would post something about, like, oh, I've seen him, like, you know? Like, right. Like, you think that that would continue. Flatwoods Monster doesn't have that. Yeah. It's just, this one night it happened, and then apparently the next night with that other couple, and it's still, like, a huge figure in spooky pop culture. Hmm. I just think it's kind of interesting. That is. That's strange. Yeah. So now that I've gone over the story, I want to give you some of the explanations that make a lot of sense. Yeah! (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) So... One of the explanations comes straight from one of the May brothers. They think that it was of alien origin, and he said that it was like a sentinel sent ahead 
of other actual aliens farther away from where there would be a landing site or a crash site and that it was kind of just a, a scout like a robotic scout to go check the area okay if anyone loves marvel up in this bitch everybody knows that tony often uses his suit for like a sentinel mode where it just kind of stands there and guards while he does shit okay and if you don't know marvel uh you should because it's good was that at me <laughs> and everyone it's just last night i started at like midnight and watched infinity war and endgame and i just watched like six hours of movies starting at midnight couldn't be me i'm already asleep yeah you fucking <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, making dinner, and Emily's like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I get home from work, and five minutes later, Emily's tucking herself in. <laughs> it's so sad that it's true. <laughs> but then she gets up at, like, a normal hour, and I'm in bed until 2 p.m. That's fine. true. It's called balance. Yin and yang. Honestly. Anyway. <laughs> Any whore. Uh, so, one brother thought that it was, like, a sentinel sent ahead of the actual aliens. The other brother thought that it was just a single soldier sent from another planet, or just kind of... Not investigating, but kind of exploring. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to check out this super cool, interesting planet called Earth. Accidentally scared the shit out of some kids, got screamed at, and went away. Landed in bumblefuck nowhere. <laughs> it always happens that way. <laughs> Except Phoenix. Yeah. The lights over Phoenix. That was different. Okay. They so learned from that. They did. <laughs> so those are the theories by the people who are actually there. Scientists and other investigator type people who have looked into this have all pretty much decided that it was an owl. An owl? It was an owl. What made them think it was fucking 12 feet tall? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. Let me explain. So this (laughs) is the most commonly accepted explanation was that it was just meteors and an owl. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, I think, was chalked up to the hysteria of, like, they're in the middle of this UFO monster craze, the Soviet Union, like, they're afraid of Soviet technology, so when they see things in the sky, they're like, oh shit, we're under attack, um, either by aliens or the fucking USSR, um, and that there, like I said, had been a lot of sightings in the neighboring states and even in really nearby towns within the last couple of years before this event, and that there had actually been this huge uptick in UFO sightings, particularly one in the next town over, there was a UFO sighting about a year before that was really popular. Mm -hmm. So they're already kind of in that mindset of, oh shit, there's aliens, oh shit, there's weird stuff out there, and it just kind of gives you that hysterical mindset of nothing's normal, everything's weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So on the night of that particular incident, there had been, like, a collection of meteors seen and reported by dozens of people, like I said, across West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, and that they were tracked by eyewitnesses and expected to be heading in the direction of, like, Alabama. Mm -hmm. But that they didn't show up in Alabama or any of those states because they landed. They crashed. Mm -hmm. That's what meteors do, And that would explain, like, the flashing, like, they thought it looked like it was pulsating. That explains that, too. Yep. And they they said that, or that the pulsing red light that they saw somewhere else may have just been a regular aircraft, because they have flashing lights on them. Mm-hmm. So if they saw this meteor fly through the sky, they're like, holy shit, and then they look up and see a regular aircraft, obviously they're going to make that connection in their head. Um, so they think that the monster that they saw was just a barn owl in a tree, which would explain the hissing sound, the gliding toward them, and even the red eyes. Because all of those things are really consistent with the sound and flight pattern of a barn owl. And when you shine light on a barn owl's eyes, they glow red. Yeah, but it doesn't explain them mistaking it for, like, something that's fucking 12 feet tall. Here's the thing. 
<laughs> I agree. But picture this. You're a small child. You're out in the woods at, like, dusk. You just saw something fly through the sky. You're already scared and have an overactive imagination of what's going on. The claw-like hands that they th- said that the monster had, people are saying that it was just the owl's feet, like, holding onto a tree branch, and they kind of puff themselves up. Because, you mm-hmm. know, like... You know the way owls puff themselves up to scare stuff away? Mm-hmm. So they think that that's what happened. And even the shape of a barn owl's mm-hmm. face yeah. is, like, makes sense with, like, the shape of, like, a spade. So that makes sense. And they think that the clothing, like, folds with the rest of the body was just, like, the tree underneath it. Like, the foliage that was around it in the woods. That just their imaginations kind mm-hmm. of put it together and created a figure. Mm-hmm. It's like pareidolia. Like, they just saw something that wasn't there because their brain put that together. Yeah, and, like, when it's dark outside, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you start making things, seeing things that aren't, like, there. It's just, like, the way the shadows are. Yeah. Like, it's dark, you're a child, you're already nervous, Mm -hmm. you're expecting to see something scary, so then you see something that's kind of freaky, of course it's going to terrify you, and your brain is going to make it bigger and scarier than it was. That's just how life works, unfortunately. (laughs) Um... So, pretty much everyone agrees that it was just an owl. They freaked themselves out. The nausea and paranoia afterwards. Yeah. That happens when you freak yourself out. Yeah. I don't know. When I have panic attacks. like Exactly. That happens. Like, the hysteria and, like, the overexertion of, like, this whole thing that just happened. Like, yeah. coming down from the um, adrenaline yeah. is gonna make you feel, feel sick. weird. Yeah. Right. And especially being kids. And you just thought you saw a UFO. Like, come on. <laughs> so, they definitely saw something... And they reported what they felt that they saw. And, of course, as always happens with urban legends, as they told the story to this person and that person, it's like telephone. Like, it Mm -hmm. gets, you know, a foot taller and has another weird ability every time someone retells the story. (laughs) So now, especially since the monster itself wasn't copyrighted, people could do anything they wanted with it. So Mm -hmm. they could tell any story about it or they could draw any picture or make any image yeah, of this monster and, that. and say that that's what yeah. it is it's like the internet like they didn't have the internet then but it's like the internet now you can say anything you can make any meme and put it over an american flag and say this is what's happening and people are gonna believe it <laughs> yeah. so like that's kind of what happened here like as the story moved on it got bigger it mm-hmm. just snowball effect yeah and made it crazy that being said flatwoods west virginia now is just a tourist center for this monster. That's crazy. So, like, literally, there's a big sign when you enter the town that says, Welcome to Flatwoods, home of the green monster. I love that. They're right? profiting off of They're that. They're owning that shit. It's just like Point Pleasant. Yeah. Like, they don't have a giant statue of the monster like Point Pleasant does, but they have five giant, like, wooden chairs. Like, you know those giant chairs yeah. you can sit in yeah. for a souvenir picture? That look like the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> they have the Flatwoods monster museum downtown they have those big chairs for the souvenir pictures and every year they have a three-day festival dedicated to the monster called flatwood days where they have music and art and food it's just like the mothman festival really west virginia found one thing and they stuck with it i love that i (laughs) love that i love it it's been again since it hasn't been copyrighted it's been in pop culture a bunch of times specifically it was in a legend of zelda game the only Legend of Zelda game I played, sorry guys, called Majora's Mask. Which I didn't know that. That was an interesting thing <laughs> that I already knew, which I was excited. Majora's Mask is a weird motherfucking game anyway, which is funny. 
So like I said earlier, Fred and Ed May are the only ones who are still alive. Everyone involved in the incident swore to their deathbeds that it really happened, but the May family wishes that it never did. I'd probably wish it never happened if I saw it too. I wouldn't. I think it's dope. That's I, true. I wish something like that would happen to me. That's so fucking cool. Well, maybe when we go on our, like, spooky road trip, something will happen. That's the only reason I want to go on the spooky road trip, Emily. I want to find Mothman and make him my mothy boyfriend. <laughs> and so this is just a little thing I plugged in there at the end. Thinking, like, for West Virginia being a relatively small state, they've got, like, two or three of, like, the biggest, like, cryptids that people know about. Hmm. So I was starting to wonder if it was on a ley line. Mm -hmm. Um, which one day I'll probably do a whole episode on ley lines because they're really interesting. And Mm -hmm. I looked it up. They are not. Mm -hmm. Okay. But guess where eight ley lines intersect, which is crazy, a weird, it only happens like three times in the entire United States. But guess where one of them is? Maryland? Rochester. What? Yeah. (gasps) Right now, we are sitting on top of eight intersecting ley lines. What? Right? I wish we had more creepy shit to make... Like, all we have is, like, the lady in white. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, so that's the Flatwoods monster. Did it make you a little spooked? It was honestly very, like, thought-provoking. Like, I just didn't realize I have so many thoughts now. Any of that. I didn't didn't realize any any of that. It was good. It was good? Interesting, yes. Are you spooked? Not really, only Damn because it. cryptids don't really spook me too much. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> wait. Are you ready for yours? I'm so ready. Alright, so I've decided to stick close to home, and my topic is on the infamous Clinton Road that is in New Jersey. I just wanted to start off by saying... <laughs> I've never been there, even though it's only, like, an hour away from where I live. (laughs) But, um, you know, my 22 years of life, I've never been there. Um, So, a little bit about Clinton Road. It's a 9.3-mile-long stretch of road that's in West Milford, New Jersey. And it's home to a bunch of different legends, ranging from ghosts to strange creatures and gatherings of Satanists and the KKK. Um, okay, and Satanists <laughs> and the KKK have opposite values, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I know, and like in a lot of these stories, they kind of rope those two together, which is kind of fucked up. But I, I love um, that, I mean, I know that everyone's like, yeah, Satan is evil, especially, you know, really religious people and Christians, they're like, yeah, Satanism is like the worst thing in the world, so then they just automatically lump all horrible things in with Satanism. Yeah, that's kind of what they're doing here. Not, not yeah. how it works. <laughs> exactly. So it was also rumored that professional killers dump bodies in the woods surrounding the road because it's it's pretty desolate. Like, there's some properties around, but again, the road is nine miles long and there's, like, a river running through it and stuff. And there was actually a case of a body being found along Clinton Road um, in the 80s. There was a guy riding his bike down Clinton Road, and he just stumbled upon the corpse of a guy named Daniel Detner, who was wrapped in green garbage bags and was being eaten by a turkey vulture. <gasps> what the f- Which we have a lot of in Jersey, so I'm not surprised. Um, Can you imagine that? <laughs> like, you're just riding your bike and you see a turkey vulture eating someone? Yeah, turkey vultures are fucking ugly. 
Okay, but so am I, so please let us live. <laughs> let people be ugly, Emily. So they did find the guy that did it. They charged this guy named Richard Kuklinski with the murder. And he was, this guy was a serial criminal and murderer. Um, he was considered to be a hitman and also distributed pirated pornography for fun. <laughs> and Pirated he was... <laughs> pornography? Yeah. Buddy. Isn't that, like, free? <laughs> Not in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. And he was con- eventually convicted of five different murders. And while he was in prison, he gave interviews and in typical serial killer fashion, he claimed to have murdered anywhere from 100 to 200 men. Oh, shit. And he claimed he was a hitman for the mafia and participated in several famous mafia killings, such as the murders of mob bosses Paul Castellano and Carmine Galante. It's kind of dope. I mean, like, killing people's really bad. <laughs> like, but how badass. He's like, yeah, no big deal. It's just a hitman for the mob. Yeah, but he got caught, so how good are you? Well, if he was able to kill between one and two hundred people first, you know? (laughs) Um, I could not get away with one single murder. I think about that sometimes because I watch so much true crime documentaries. I'm like, wait, do I actually know how to pull this off? I mean, like, I'm 110 pounds, so physically I probably would not be able to. Right. If we teamed up, we're like 200 pounds. Here's the thing, though. This is why I could never get away with killing everyone. I drop hair. Like, crazy. Yeah, so my hair is everywhere. My old office, if we'd play this game with a tennis ball, and if the tennis ball rolled across the floor and they'd come up covered in hair, and they'd all be like, God damn it, Marissa. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's why if you were to go kill a person, wrap your hair up in a, um, what are those things called? Hairnet? Not a hairnet. Like a, a lunch um, lady thing? A, a shower cap. So imagine you go to kill somebody and you're wearing a shower cap and, like, gloves and shit. You're like, this is just proper precaution. When you go to, like, I feel like if you're a murderer, you want to be at least kind of intimidating. But let me tell you, a 95-pound scrawny-ass girl wearing a hairnet and rubber gloves, they'd be like, are you here to serve me lunch? I would never scare anyone, you know? But that might make it easier. Exactly, they would never suspect a thing. Sorry to derail you, go on. (laughs) Um, And just a little fun fact I wanted to put in there that I found out that there's actually a movie that came out two years ago called Clinton Road, and um, Ice-T is in it, so that's interesting. Who? Ice-T? From, like, uh, Law and Order and stuff? Mm, Nope. Okay. No idea. We should watch that, though. I know, I'm kind of tempted to watch it, but I did see some reviews that were like, this was shit, so I don't know. Huh. And in 1905, this dude named Percy Crayon, he wrote... <laughs> Wait, like spelled like crayon? Yes. That's crazy. He wrote about the woods stating, It was never advisable to pass through the five-mile woods after dark, for tradition tells us they were infested with bands of robbers and counterfeiters, to say nothing of the witches that held their nightly dances and carousels at Green Island and the ghosts that then made their appearance in such frightful forms that it was more terrifying to the peaceful inhabitants than wild animals or even the Indians often passed. Yikes. So, I don't know. For the longest time, people were like, you know, this place is kind of fucked up. Apparently, witches go there and dance. (laughs) So, like I said, most of the area surrounding the road is undeveloped um, Mm -hmm. and publicly owned woodland. Uh, there's very little traffic because it's not a part of New Jersey's county, like, route system. Okay. And there did used to be a castle in the woods off of Clinton Road, and most locals call it Clinton or Cross Castle, but 
because it was named they named it after the guy that built it, Richard J. Cross. But when the when Richard Cross built it, he him and his family named it Castle Barefoot. And Cross died in 1917, and then the family sold the property in 1919 to the city of Newark. Newark, good times. The murder capital of the United States. <laughs> good times. <laughs> and then the fire eventually destroyed most of the wooden structure, only leaving some stone walls intact. And even those stone walls were knocked down in 1988 when the structure was deemed unsound. And some people do claim that there were dungeons in Cross Castle where many bodies were found. Um, That's awesome. I don't think there's any evidence to that. Oh, just like urban legend? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, and for the most part, people claim that the KKK goes there to meet, and one user that had sent a story to Weird NJ about Cross Castle uh, said that in the 70s when they were hiking in the woods, they found weird writing inscribed on the walls. So they took a picture and wrote down the symbols, and apparently this writing and symbols were writings of Anton LaVey of the Church of Satan. <gasps> My yeah. And the user even went as far to match the writings with what was in the Lex Satanicus, which I guess is like the Satanic Bible. Yeah. Um, and someone also stated that there is a legend where Cross Castle rebuilds itself every October 30th and the KKK sacrifice a goat there. And that was by some person named Kelly B. I just wanted to give credit to that story. Kelly B's a bad bitch. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Um, to be honest, I feel like in the 70s, a lot of people were, especially people into like the darker music were into satanic symbols without even knowing what they were yeah so that could mean anything you know like people even today still when you're going to like tag something people will do symbols they don't even know what they mean yeah they do like satanic symbols or like witchy type symbols just honestly a lot of times i feel like it's just to freak people out yeah it's like look how edgy i am here's a pentagram yeah like you know yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it could be more, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, yeah. authentic, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, who knows? So, I'll just discuss some of the main legends and folklore surrounding Clinton Road, because there's quite um, a variety of things that supposedly go on there. Mm -hmm. uh, the most popular one that I knew of, before I even looked into all this, was about a ghost boy that hangs out by one of the bridges. Nice. That goes over... Um, I don't know what river it is, but it goes over this river. And there's a legend that if you throw a coin over the bridge, um, that's on Clinton Road. Clinton Brook, that's what the little river's called. Um, it's right where Dead Man's Curve is, and I'll go into what Dead Man's Curve is in a second. There's a ghost of a boy that drowned there, and he'll toss the coin back up at you or place it in the middle of the road. But there are quite a few bridges located on Clinton Road, and no one knows for sure which one the boy supposedly drowned near. Um, and it's also rumored that this boy did not drown, but actually was hit by a car and killed mm. on the bridge when he went to pick up a quarter that he saw on the ground. I've actually heard that story. Which yeah, I, it's I very didn't, popular. I didn't realize that it was the Clinton Road thing, but I have heard the story of if you throw the coin over the side, the boy yeah. throws it back. Yeah, it's very popular around there, and, like, they say that if you look over the bridge, you can see all the coins in the waters from people trying it out. <laughs> and... So, yeah, there's also a legend attached to that, that if you stand on the bridge and you see a quarter drop and you bend down to pick it up, the little boy will push you into the lake and save you from being hit by a car. Thanks, bud. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not really much traffic going on there anyway. He's doing his best. 
It could have been a ghost car. We'll talk about those too. I was gonna say there's apparently ghost trucks, and ghost stuff. cars, ghost trains. That kind of thing is pretty popular. So if he's pushing you out of the way of a car, maybe he sees a car. Exactly, a ghostly car. Um, so Dead Man's Curve is just this really sharp corner in the road that has said to kill people driving at night and is home to animal sacrifices. Uh, there's a rumor... Those are two really <laughs> unconnected <laughs> okay. I'll go into both of them. There's, there's a rumor that if you see a cow, dead or alive, in the middle of the road, don't get out of your car, because apparently the Satanists, or whoever want to get you out of your car so they can kill you or eat you. Um, this was by someone named Allison R. in, uh, Weird NJ. But there's, like, it, it's so, like, there's no lighting because it's an off-road sort of place. Mm-hmm. Is it, like, a seasonal road? No. Or is it just, like, a regular dirt road? It's just a regular road, but it's just not part of the New Jersey, like, route system. So if okay. you were to, like, put it in your, put some place in your GPS, like, they're not going to take you onto Clinton Road. Right, Because okay. it's just not in there. The Dead Man's Curve is just such a sharp, sharp turn that, like, so many people, and there's evidence of this, too, there's been quite a few people that have gone too fast and, like, yep. fucking flew through the windshield because they missed the curve. Yeah. Um, there is, that has been happening, there's evidence of that. So, there's also this thing called, uh, the Druidic Temple, and <gasps> it's a stone structure that sits east of the road and south of the reservoir, and some have claimed that local druids practice their rituals there, and that horrible things would happen to you if you intruded on their practices. What? Um, but Druids the, wouldn't do that. Druids are that, like... Yeah, that's the no. whole point of this, is, like, they've been making, like, Satanists and Druids, like, out to be these crazy, like, KKK sort of people. <laughs> no, Druids are just like, hey... <laughs> Magical nature stuff. <laughs> we love trees and energy from the earth. Yeah, so like, whoever, what? like, sort of started these rumors, like, obviously didn't... Don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The building that, like, they're calling the Druidic Temple, it used to be a building for, um, it was an iron smelter that was oh. built in 1826, and just for those of you who don't know, because I didn't know, smelting is a process of applying heat to ore in order to extract a base metal. <laughs> what, do you not play Minecraft? I did, but, like, I didn't know (laughs) that. (laughs) Minecraft, baby! (laughs) So, so there's also, like, have been many sightings of things called, like, ghost trucks. Mm -hmm. And those are, like, phantom vehicles that appear seemingly out of nowhere in the middle of the night and chase drivers to the end of the road, (gasps) flashing its lights and tailgating you before disappearing. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Yeah, so there's lots of stories of that, uh, which is interesting. And they say that, like, they'll slow down to let the guy pass because mm-hmm. they, you know, they think it's a real guy and then they just A psycho don't. redneck in a truck. Yeah, people exactly. people in trucks seem to want to drive 30 miles over the speed limit always. I tell you, they have it. But anyway. So people have also seen a lot of strange creatures along um, Clinton Road. Many people claim to have seen hellhounds, monkeys, and Monkey. weird animal hybrids. But there is a bit of a an explanation to the monkey situation there used to be a long time ago i don't know in the 80s or something there was it was like a zoo sort of near clinton road and then it went out of business or whatever and they say that some of the animals got loose and may have just be chilling in the woods today or even interbred and made weird hybrids um so that could be a possible explanation spooky uh, but who knows. And then there's also a tale of an albino village that's somewhere in the forest of Clinton Road. 
which I just find funny because, I don't know, people claim that they're in these woods and they fucking see albinos. They're like, like, oh, what? I'm scared. There's a really pale person and it was just me. I know, really. <laughs> it wasn't an albino. It was just me, guys. <laughs> Let so me live my pale life. That's weird. I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that. That just seems like a weird thing to try to scare people with. I think I included one of the stories in here about albino people. Yes, oh, yeah. I did. So we'll get to that. Okay. So now I'm just going to read like a few stories from Weird NJ because I feel like a lot of the things about Clinton Road are told through like people's firsthand experiences. And, and for the folks who don't know, what is Weird NJ? Yeah, so Weird NJ is like, it's like Weird US, but it's like they come out with magazines and monthly subscriptions and stuff that's just strictly like weird stuff from New Jersey. So they focus on like ghost stories, um, weird buildings that you might find somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, spooky locations, yeah. spooky graves, yeah, stuff so like that. You, and, yeah, and they go state really cool. by state, so you can check whatever state you live in. And find weird Nebraska yeah. and get, like, either a magazine subscription or just buy the book yeah. of weird stuff that is in your state. Weird paranormal spooky shit. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember I used Super to get the magazines once in a while when I was at my beach house. I would go and they had Weird NJ magazines and I would get them and I always loved them. They would creep the shit out of me yeah. and I loved it. I live for that shit. So the first story comes from an anonymous person. And the title is Clinton Road, not a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Not is in all caps, so I don't know. Not a joke. So they said, quote, I've been a resident of West Milford for practically my entire life. I have a lot of eyewitness info on Clinton Road. The first and most important fact is that this road is not a joke. Many of the stories you hear are not rumors. In fact, most of them are true. However... Every story does have exaggerations. The facts are that many dismembered bodies are found in the woods off of Clinton Road. Ah. Cross Castle did exist, and if you go to the wrong place, you will be chased. The KKK does have gatherings there, and there is Satan worshipping. The strange animals are there, and though no one knows what they are, many people have a theory that some of them survivors are from Jungle Habitat and have interbred. Is that the zoo? Yes, so that's what it was called, Jungle Habitat. And... So, all in all, if you're going to check out Clinton Road, be careful and be smart, or else you will be the next tail. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so when we go to your beach house, we're going to Clinton Road, right? Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure Clinton Road is up north more, so it would make sense that we go through it on the way down, you know, like, take a detour and go through it. I'm excited. This next one is Clinton Road, which is Can Crawl Inside Your Mind, and this is by someone named Ron. So... Quote, after high school, I started working in Chilton Hospital's emergency room, and he was working on the night shift. Um, One Saturday night, an ambulance brought in a woman kicking and screaming with third-degree burns on her legs. She was high on heroin and claimed to be a witch. I asked the ambulance driver where they found her. Uh, Walking along Route 23 near Clinton Road, he said, she was up there with a group of people worshipping Satan when they decided to throw her into a bonfire. <gasps> oh my god! After we gave her something to bring her down from the drugs, she became violent to the point where I had to tie her down with restraints. She was yelling things like, my powers are too strong for you, and I'm going to crawl into your mind. Well, it must have worked because I haven't forgotten about her. End quote. Clinton Road witches live in my mind. <laughs> Rent fucking free. <laughs> That's, ooh. 
Yep. Imagine you're just chilling with your homies, doing some heroin in the woods, and they throw you on a bonfire. <laughs> First of all, rude. Never hanging out with these guys again. <laughs> That's wild. Dude, first responder stories and they're like my favorite. They're, ugh, I was reading um, a ranker list actually like an hour ago <laughs> about um, first responders responding to things in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah, I've read those. I Crazy. love ranker. Anyway, so the next one is the albinos of Clinton Road, the one y'all been waiting for. I've been waiting. This comes from a guy named Brian, and he said. Quote, one time when a bunch of us climbed up the walls, we did see something. We were up there and saw two white figures. They were about 100 yards away from our friends on the ground. They couldn't see them from their vantage point. They came to within 100 yards of the group and then disappeared into the woods. When we got back to Terra Firma, we told them about it, and that's when the story started coming. There was instantly talk about an albino village in the woods. Ooh. End quote. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really... I think just a white just figure. Just two white figures, that's kind of... Some people are pale, alright? Yeah. <laughs> Let us live. I'm begging you. Maybe they were just a couple of pale nudists, okay? Yeah, or they could have just been wearing white or something reflective. Could yeah. have been our pal Fresno Nightcrawler on vacation. Honestly, To definitely. New Jersey, because that's where all the people from California go on vacation. <laughs> New Jersey. Could have been Frezzy. It was just my man's Frezzy, let him live. And the last one I got for this is called Ghost Rangers Patrol the Forest, and this is also, someone submitted it anonymously, but it's a really good story. Um, so, quote, hanging out at the old castle was great. Much farther up the road on the right, there are trails that go up the mountain to a lake called Terrace Pond. The pond was crystal clear and great for swimming. We used to camp up there, and we had a really weird occurrence that happened to us. We were camping one night around 1 a.m., and two park rangers noticed our fire and walked over to us. They were concerned about the fire, drinking, etc., we asked if our vehicles would be okay where they were and asked if they would be ticketed. They said they were fine and no ticketing would be carried out. In the morning, we ventured down the mountainside and approached our cars and they had two summonses per car. West Milford Police and Newark Watershed Authorities approached us and, and we asked them about the park rangers and they looked bewildered. When they told, when they, we then told them that we were speaking with two younger men and that they said it was okay to stay in camp, our vehicles were okay, and we would not be fined. One of the Newark watershed authorities replied, what did these park rangers look like and what were they wearing? We, des we described their appearance and the authorities told us that there were no park rangers patrolling the property anymore and the two men we saw that night were killed on patrol in 1939. <gasps> Wait, okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. So, I mean, I get the stories of, no, we didn't have anybody out there. That's super crazy. It must have been some weirdo imposters or ghosts is, you know, feasible. But saying, oh, I know, based on your description, it must be those guys who died 80 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm, su I'm assuming situations like this have happened to that guy before, and so he's just... Oh, he's into, used like, to answering it? Yeah, that's what I feel like, but... Okay. Yeah, who knows? That's fair. And like, how do you just have that at the ready? <laughs> <laughs> and she ends that to say, we did not know what to say. Did we imagine this was... Why was the authority questioning the description? Did he know these men when they were alive? Are we the only people that have encountered these rangers? End quote. And I will say, this story could have been from, like I said, like the 70s or the 80s. So right. it's not, like, strange for maybe that park, that guy to, like, have known oh, who these it guys was, were. It was much more recent. Yeah. 
That would be like us talking now about the 80s. Yeah. That's weird that the 80s were, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That makes more sense. So, yeah. That's all I got on this. Um, I feel a lot of it is hearsay. I've seen a lot of people say, I've lived in West Milford all my life and I've been on Clinton Road all the time and nothing bad happened. So, you know. Well, weird things are going to happen to people who are looking for something weird. You yeah. Know? Kind of like, you know, the Flatwoods monster where they saw something weird and creepy fall out of the sky, so they're going to, they're expecting something weird to happen, mm-hmm. so of course they're going to see something weird. Yeah. Because their brain is expecting it, so. And I mean, I'm sure a lot sense. of people that are, like, skeptical will see something weird and then write it off as something yep. rational. Absolutely. And then just not think about it. Like, yeah, I never saw anything weird. That ghost boy who pushed me over the edge of the, uh, bridge. That, that was, was just the wind, That man. was just the wind. It just wind was really windy that day. <laughs> you know, like, it's... Even if some of the stories are far-fetched, you know they started from some yeah. kernel of truth. I remember hearing a lot about the ghost boy in high school. Um, I remember hearing about tossing the coins over and stuff, and yeah. he would toss it back to you. Yeah. And you never win? No, because I'm a lazy fuck. And you're scared. That too. In high school, I was like, me and my friends were really into like spooky stuff, and it was the time where I was like still kind of creeped out by that actual stuff. Like, for a little background, I will not let Marissa play with the Ouija board. Yeah, while I I'm have in this a house. Ouija board. I finally have three people living in this house who are willing to Ouija. Well, two people. <laughs> I have a third roommate who just <laughs> refuses. I. There's reasoning behind that, but I will not I will not let Marissa use the Ouija board while I'm in this house. And um where was I going with this? So that's probably why I didn't I never went to anywhere like Clinton Road because I was actually really afraid at this time of actually coming face to face with like a <laughs> demon. I'm not even joking. In high school. And then like I told you that story about me and my friends and like mm. one of my friends got possessed that one night. Yeah. Like, we made a fake Ouija board. Like, I just drew up a Ouija board, and we used, like, this plastic container top to <laughs> as a planchette. And she, I swear to God, she got fucking possessed. That's crazy. I swear to God. Maybe I'll tell that story a couple times when we do, like, the campfire sort campfire. of stories. But it was fucked up, so that's why I don't... Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. No Ouija boards. No, no sir. Mm-mm. I yeah. have only used a Ouija board two or three times. And the only time that something weird happened was we were at one of my friend's houses, and she, like, where I grew up, pretty much all the houses were super old. So the house she lived in was obviously really old. And we used this Ouija board to just be like, ooh, is there anyone Mm -hmm. here? Like, we didn't have any reason to think there was. Mm -hmm. But we decided to do it anyway, and the planchette moved to S, Mm -hmm. and then X, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were like, okay, someone just moved it, it didn't even make sense, whatever, and then the next day we were talking to her parents, and they were like, that's super fucking weird, because the people who built this house, who we bought it from, you know, 40 years ago, or whatever, their last name started with X, which is incredibly rare for a last name to start with X, and it went to SX as if it were initials. That's so weird. And it was really bizarre, and my one friend who was even worse than you, like, she got pissed that we even had the Ouija board there, and she literally went home. 
Oh, I don't mind if it's sitting in its box, but if you're going to try to play it in a house I'm living in, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. Yeah, no, she literally went home. She's like, I hate this. You guys are terrible. This is, Get the fuck away from me. And just, like, went home. We're like, all right, bye. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> like, in high school, like, that was, middle school and high school, that was the time where I was super, like, I'm, I was so into scary stuff, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I was really afraid of anything, like, demonic because yeah. I really, really believed in that stuff. And, like, I, I still do, but, like, at that time, I was afraid that I was going to get, like, possessed for no reason. <laughs> I wasn't, like, ever afraid of being possessed or anything. I was just afraid of, like, looking for something and then finding it. Mm-hmm. Like, when, if we ever do the campfire episodes, or when we do the campfire episodes, I'll go into depth about the fucking spooky-ass house I grew up in and all the weird shit that happened, but I would love to you know, read the spooky Brinker lists and watch Ghost Hunters. I was obsessed with watching yeah, Ghost Hunters. Yeah, that's and, what I did, but and, Ghost Adventures. And all that spooky stuff. And then as soon as I was home alone, I was, like, paralyzed in fear. Like, I yeah. would not yep. leave my bedroom if I was home alone. Or whatever yeah. room I was in, I would not leave it. Yeah. And I would have to have all the lights on, and I was so scared. And even in my last apartment, some weird shit happened often enough that I would not go to the bathroom at night because I had to walk out into the hallway and stare down the really dark stairs. Even Mm -hmm. if I was going the other way to go to the bathroom, I just wouldn't leave my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Because it was just weird, weird stuff happened. Like the shaking room. That was Mm -hmm. so fucking weird. Oh, what the fuck? That was so weird. Why did it happen so often? I think to end off this episode, a good question for people who are listening to answer Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters? Yeah, tell us what you think, guys. Ghost (laughs) Adventures or Ghost Hunters? I feel like everyone is going to say Ghost Adventures just because they're still still current. But Ghost Hunters, I think, were way more legit. And they actually, in in my opinion, they seemed to actually do things the quote-unquote right way. That's really strange because I remember every time I did watch Ghost Ghost Hunters, like, I wasn't impressed at all. I didn't think... I, one, I didn't really think they found decent evidence, but then again, this was when, like, this was, what, mid-2000s, so yeah. I don't think they had, like, the equipment that Ghost Adventures has now, but... Well, I, I think they did and didn't find good things, because they always had, like, a debunking initiative. Like, they would go in and say, in this specific room, they hear that noise. Let's go try to debunk it and see what we find. And if they would get a piece of evidence, if it was a good audio clip or a video or whatever it was, if it could be explained by anything else, they just threw it out. Well, Ghost Adventures does the same thing. And then at, like, the end of the episode, they would kind of, like, compile all the evidence and reveal it to whoever Mm -hmm. owned the building. And and you could see everything compiled at once. And I, in my opinion, it seems like Ghost Adventures really reaches. Um, from what I've seen. They... When they find something that sounds really great, like either a noise that they captured or whatever, they try their best to debunk what just happened. And then a lot of times they do debunk it. It was like, oh, it was Aaron fucking stepping on something. Like they, like they do debunk things. Yeah. Um, and they try when they get something really good, they do try. Yeah. I, I mean, I've only seen maybe a total of 10 episodes of Ghost Adventures, but from... I don't know. From what I've seen, it seems like ghost hunters are more experienced and more um, professional, I guess, about it when they're doing their investigation and they're getting evidence and doing this and that. They're staying calm. 
and doing what they're doing. I feel like anytime there's like a slight creak of a floorboard, Zach and Aaron are just like, ah, did you hear that, bro? Yeah, and it's no, like, that is up. true. I Aaron didn't hear gets, anything except you screaming. Aaron gets very excited and Zach gets like super annoying. He's like, shut up, shut up. Shut up. Did you hear this? Like, you know, he kind of makes it about himself. Yeah. I still love him even though he's such a cocky bitch. And a lot of the evidence they find are like, I started feeling cold and sick. And it's like yeah, things that, that you can't prove. That too. It's like, a lot of like, do you see this? Do you see my arms right now? Yeah. I feel like a lot. And that's just my opinion. I mean, I don't hate ghost adventures. It's just, I grew up on ghost hunters. I know the way that they do things. I actually met the ghost hunters and went to one of their panels and they talked about how the spirit box is pretty much null and void. I think that's the thing is I grew up... Not a good up, piece of equipment. I grew up on the cusp of Ghost Hunters ending and Ghost Adventures becoming popular. Fair. I think that's what it was. What is, what's our age difference? Two years? Three? Yeah, but that's even that's just enough to, yeah. you know... Wait, that's weird. Are you technically a millennial? Because uh, I'm right on the cusp. I was 1998, so... I think... Oh my god, you're like the first year of Gen Z... That's not the point of this anyway. The, the point is I grew up watching Ghost Hunters, so that's what I prefer. I met them. I love them. They're fantastic. They're the light of my life. Emily watches Ghost Adventures, Adventures and they're fine. I mean, I, I would totally watch Ghost Hunters, but I'm just... I wish it was streaming somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, that's it for um, this episode. That concludes episode five of <laughs> Unknown Compelling Force. And we've already got our ideas for our next episode, Ugh. our next couple of episodes, so yeah. it's actually, we're going to be pumping these out kind of fast, I think. Yeah, we're we're planning out our episode topics for the next couple of weeks, and we've got some juicy ones oh, coming yeah. up. I'm we're very excited. I'm so excited. We have three topics yeah, set three, out. Three weeks set up before us here. Yeah, so those might be coming out pretty fast, hopefully. I yeah. don't know. School, work, yeah. internship. Technology. Yeah, technology. Mental health failing us. Between the <laughs> shitty technology crashing on me constantly and our shitty mental health crashing on us constantly. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I feel like that's <laughs> relatable. I feel like people yeah. will understand. Y'all know what we mean. I feel like the two people that are listening will understand. <laughs> yeah, all three of you, we really love you and appreciate you. And also, here's your daily reminder. If you have any personal stories, any questions, comments, feedback, concern please, please, please email us at ucf.pod at gmail. We want to get going on these campfire mm -hmm. stories. We've got a couple of stories geared up and ready mm -hmm. to go. We need a couple more to get mm -hmm. the first campfire episode out. Uh, so if you have anything, please send it to us. Let us know. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UCF Podcast uh, for the sake of continuity and laziness. Um, and yeah, stay spooky, my friends. See you next time.